Ten months ago, I was brand new here, and first time that I preached, didn't really know who I was preaching to. And now, I know most of you, and there's a lot of love that's shared now between so many people in this room and our family. It is a privilege to be a ministry partner with Pastor Jim, and uh, just wanted you to know If you wonder if he's the real deal, I'm with him six days of the week, and he is genuine, kind, consistent, organized. I'm so glad that he is my pastor. For the rest of our worship hour, we're going to be looking at God's word in Romans chapter 8. I won't be reading from any other page, so if you open your Bible to Romans 8, that's where we're going to be this whole time. I won't be explaining every single thought in the whole chapter. I still remember 25 years ago, my pastor started preaching on Romans chapter 8. And the next week, I went to my rotation in children's church. So I was gone for a month, and I came back, and the pastor was still on the same verse. (laughs) I'm framing my thoughts this morning around this idea, praising God for what we don't have. I'm not talking about your teeth, (laughs) or your hair, or your high school boyfriend, or your girlish figure, we're thinking much better than that. Now, I could have framed Romans chapter 8 thanking God for who we do have. We have the Holy Spirit, and he's mentioned 19 times in this chapter. If I could give you the 30-second version of the book of Romans... Chapter 1, the bad people are guilty. Chapter number 2, you also are guilty. Chapter number 3, everyone is guilty. Chapter number 4, Abraham was justified by his faith. And justified in the Bible means declared not guilty. And in chapter 5, it begins that we who have been justified by faith have peace with God. Chapter 6 then says that we are dead to our sin and we are alive to God. And chapter 7 says that we are, we are dead to the law And we are alive to Christ. And if you're following the Trinity here, here we are in chapter 8, 19 times Holy Spirit. Chapter 8 is, we are dead to the flesh, but we are alive to the Spirit. Verse 1 of Romans chapter 8. There is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus. 
It's frustrating to me to see forgiven people walking around like they are still guilty. It is frustrating to see redeemed people living like they were still in slavery. It is frustrating to see God's children feeling unworthy or afraid of God. We have no threat from God. We have no worry about what God would say to us. When you go to the very end of the Bible and you see this great white throne that's set up somewhere between heaven and earth, and Jesus is sitting on that throne, and that is a terrible day, because on that day, Jesus sentences to hell forever. As far as I understand it correctly, everybody that's there that day, but people, men, women, all socioeconomic, ethnic, religious backgrounds from all time, from Adam until then, We read these words from, from Revelation 21. Anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. When I was first introduced, Southern gospel music was in the 1980s by the cathedrals. And this, I wore this tape out that said, I know my name will never be written down in history. But Jesus wrote my name in the book of life, and that's enough for me. There's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. No guilt. Pastor will teach on Wednesday night about the breastplate of righteousness. Do you think about that breastplate of righteousness coming over you? I think of hammer time. You can't touch this. You will never cause me to doubt my salvation. Even if you tried, I am wearing the righteousness of Jesus. And you can't touch this. You can never call upon God to damn me. He won't do it. I have this promise. There is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Satan can accuse me all day and all night. And some of his complaints against me might ring true. He's a pathetic excuse of a human being. Has no business even being here. But I am in Christ Jesus. I am wearing the breastplate of righteousness. I'm not going to embarrass myself or my children by attempting to rap, but I will say four words from Andy Minio. You can't stop me. I know, and we know, that, that the Jesus that we see in our pictures, that he actually didn't look like that, okay? Because I've never seen very many images of Jesus that would come across as passing for a Jewish man. But 
Still, you have an image in your mind of Jesus. So close your eyes for five seconds and think of Jesus. Now open your eyes and look around the room and put that image over every person in here that you know is a believer. There's Jesus sitting there. There's Jesus sitting there. There's Jesus sitting there. Because we are dressed in the righteousness of Jesus. And when God the Father looks at his saints, he sees us as if we were as sinless as Jesus. There is no condemnation to those who are in him. If you can get that wave of realization that when God sees you, he sees you in that way. When I was really little, I was saying, you ask me why I'm happy and I'll just tell you why. Because my sins are gone. They're gone. In the sea of God's forgetfulness, that's good enough for me. I believe the rest of chapter 8 all falls under this category of there is no condemnation. Secondly, there is no defeat. Could have put no death. But verse 2 says, For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of flesh on account of sin. He condemned sin in the flesh. That the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh but according to the Spirit. We see that the flesh leads to death, but the Spirit leads to life. And the same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in us. We have this motivation. We don't obey the law so that God will love and accept us. We obey God because he does love and accept us, and we have a desire to please him. In 1 Corinthians 15, we have these words that say, Grave, where is your victory? Death, where is your sting? Have you ever seen one of those sporting events where somebody starts to celebrate too early? You know, and somebody thinks they've scored the winning basket. They're starting celebrating and the coach is going crazy and motioning them to get back on defense. And and they end up losing the game because they thought they'd already won it. And I get that, that picture in my mind where the grave feels like it's winning. I mean, sometimes it feels like the grim reaper has turned into the grim sniper and he's just picking us off one at a time every, every time we turn around. The grave looks like it's winning, but someday we'll say, grave, where's your victory? Death, where's your sting? Hell has been defeated. The grave couldn't hold my king. And Those who are in Christ Jesus will not be defeated even by death. Justin Martyr said way back in the second century, you can kill us, but you can't hurt us. Skip down to verse 15. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you receive the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, 
Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. The third thing that we do not have is fear. No guilt in life, no fear in death. This is the power of Christ in me. And the image here about being no fear is the image of a, of a child. If you could picture maybe a, a two-year-old or a three-year-old that is scared and comes running to dad, running to mom and clinging to them and knowing that they are home safe, that's the picture here. Another old song was, So let the storms rage high, the dark clouds rise, they don't worry me, for I'm sheltered safe within the arms of God. He walks with me, not of earth shall harm me, for I'm sheltered safe in the arms of God. You can help me sing this one. I'll sing the first line, you sing the second line. What have I to dread? What have I to fear? I have blessed peace with my Lord so near. Now you do the first two words. Safe and secure from all alarms. Keep singing, leaning on the everlasting arms. We have no fear because we have a father. Happy Father's Day, God. We can run to him no matter what is going on. He is our safe place. There's more to him being the father than just that, but that's what it means in this verse. He is the daddy that we run to. It's not that bad and scary things won't happen, but we don't have to be afraid because we have God. Moving forward in verse 18 and 19, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us, for the earnest expectation of creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. The next thing that we do not have to, we do not have is despair. In times of suffering, we read from this chapter that Christ suffered and then he was glorified. And if we suffer with Christ, we can be sure that we will also be glorified with Christ. And it goes on to say that the whole creation is groaning. The whole creation is under bondage of the curse that happened from man's sin. Life is not what it was meant to be. One day that suffering will end, but the glory will not. In verse 23, it says, Not only that, but we also who have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves grown within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. The next thing that we have, we do not have, 
is bad endings. Romans 8, 28. 20 years ago, last month, Amy and I arrived in Aruba for phase two of our honeymoon. We checked into what then was the Wyndham and was given our room number of 828. And I told Amy, I like, that's our new life first for our marriage. You begin your marriage, there's so many things that are unknown, but we know that the ending is good. Romans 8.28 reads, And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. Specifically, this verse is really speaking of that our salvation is going to end well. The, really, the last word of that whole sentence is in verse 30, and that is, these he also glorified. More on that next week. The next thing that we do not have from Romans chapter 8 is we have no prosecutor. Perhaps I could say we have no winning prosecutor. It's not that Satan isn't real. It's just that he can't win. He can't win an argument against God. Let me read from 831. What, shall, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? God is for us. And so our enemy doesn't have a chance. If God did not spare his son and gave him up for us, how shall he not with him give us all things? That is verse 32. Romans 5, 9 says, If he accomplished so much in his death, think about it, that we were his enemies and Jesus died giving us the ability to receive forgiveness of his sins and eternal life, how much more, now that we're his children and Jesus is alive, will not God continually meet all of our needs and be there for us all the way to the end? Let me read verse, put verse 33 up on the screen and verse 34. I want you to see these verses that you cannot read these verses like a robot. If you just read this verse without putting any thought into it at all, you're going to come up with the wrong impression. So I want to enjoy explaining it. If you read it like a robot, it would say, Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. It sounds like that God is giving a charge against you, and that's not what it means. Look at the next verse. Verse 34, who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died. It sounds like Christ is condemning you, but it's not the point. Paul is using rhetorical questions here. Okay, so when he's asking the question, he's, there's an obvious answer. You know, we, we talk about things like, is the Pope Catholic? Does Roy have a joke to tell? You know, you just, you just know the obvious answers to those questions. 
We started out by saying, if God is for us, who can be against us? So when we get to this verse 33, put 33 back up there, I'm going to ask the question, and you're going to supply to me the implied answer. The implied answer is no one. Okay, so I'm going to ask the question, and you're going to answer it with, the, with that answer, no one. Okay? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? No. Same thing in the next verse. Who is he who condemns? No. Okay, now go back to 33. I'm going to have you answer it the same way, and then I'm going to explain the rest of the verse. Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? Because God justifies. God has declared us not guilty. So who dares to come before God and accuse me of being guilty when God has declared me not guilty? There is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Verse 34. Who is he who condemns? Why? Because Christ died, furthermore is risen, He's even at the right hand of God who also makes intercession for us. Who would possibly be able to condemn us when Jesus himself who paid for our sins is standing at the right hand of God? Not today, Satan. I'm not condemned. I'm not defeated. I'm not afraid. I'm not despairing. I'm not having a bad ending. If God is for me, and he is, so I'll say it this way, since God is for me, no one else's accusation will stand. Verse 35 You might kind of guess that this has an implied answer as well. So let me ask the question and you give me the answer. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? No. So let me go through each word. And after each word, you just yell back to me the word no. Okay? Well, tribulation? No. Distress? No. Persecution? No. Famine? No. Nakedness? No. Peril? No. Sword? No, why? Because as it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. So it doesn't matter if you throw poverty at me, persecution at me, whatever it is. I stand in Christ with no condemnation. And the last thing that we do not have from this chapter is separation from God. The last two verses read, For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. You didn't know all of that when you trusted in Jesus. You just knew that you had sinned and you believed that Jesus died for you. 
But the longer you live, the more you know. The longer you serve him, the sweeter he grows. All of these things are for those who are in Christ Jesus. Here comes what could be the most important minute of this message. Because all those words that you wrote down on that paper, if you do not have Christ, those things describe you. I don't know why you're here this morning without Christ. Maybe you're procrastinating waiting for that right moment to say yes to Jesus. Maybe you're still trying to make sense of it. Maybe the Holy Spirit's still working the word of God over and over in your mind and heart. Maybe you're stubborn. Maybe you're afraid. Maybe you're deceived. But if you are here without Christ, you are condemned. You are defeated. You are still in slavery to sin and death. Without Christ, you are without hope. You should be in despair, and you have a very bad ending. Without Christ, you are helpless against Satan. Jesus is not standing at the throne of God interceding on your behalf. Without Christ, you are separated from God and forever would be unless you trust in Jesus. Trust him today, right now. You just stand up right where you are and say, I need Jesus. I'll stop preaching and I'll come right where you are and talk to you right now. Because my prayer is that the Holy Spirit is working on your heart. That you would recognize that you need him. Recognize the truth of the gospel. Maybe right now it just finally clicks and makes sense for the first time. That when Jesus died on the cross, he died to pay for my sin. And if you call out to him, really just replying to his calling to you, he will save you. And then all of these things in Romans chapter 8, you'll be able to understand and experience for yourself as So many people in this room just are filled with just joy and worship about that there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. If you need to trust in Jesus today to be saved from your sin, don't delay it. Just come to me and say, I need Jesus. I want to say yes to him today. I need to be rescued from my sin. Jesus has promised there is no reason why he would ever turn anyone away 
that when he died on the cross, he already loved you and was waiting for this moment for you to receive eternal life. Father, I thank you for Romans chapter 8. I thank you that there is nothing that can separate me from you. I could lose my health, my hearing, my eyesight, my memory. I can lose my money, job. There's so many things that can happen to me, even for your name's sake. But I have this promise from you. Nothing on earth and heaven and life and death I thank you for that declaration that you have given to me, so undeserved by me, of not guilty. I pray that the Holy Spirit's calling will be real in every person's life in this room to be able to know for sure that they as well are your child. On this Father's Day, to be adopted by God, What a great day to remember. In the name of Jesus, we can pray to you. Amen. Let's stand and sing.